Yo, what's up, guys? And welcome to the Movie Newbie Podcast with me, Jabril, the Movie Newbie, and the two aficionados, Ollie and Raf. So enjoy the show. Yo, what's up, guys? And we are back again with the Movie Newbie. I'm your host, Jabe. And this is episode 26, and we're kicking off a new theme. So as usual, we have Ollie and Raf with us. So how about you guys say hello? Bonjour. Hello. And as well, drum roll please. We've got a special guest today, and it is a very good friend of ours, Maite, also Raf's wife, Maite. How about you say hello? Hello. Um, I'm so excited to be here. I'm the first female identified guest, so I'm pumped about that. Um... What else do I need to say? No, no, I no, guess that, that's good enough. That, yeah, no, that, really, that, I think that was that was pretty good. I think we're we're pretty pumped too to have um, <laughs> a female identifying guest on this podcast or any guest really. Yeah. But uh, as you pointed out, it's been a pretty um, male dominated show since our beginning. So I think hopefully this will be a nice change of pace. And yeah. um, you're really excited to uh, chat about this movie with you. Yeah. yeah. So so basically, I don't know if you guys remember, but <clears throat> cast your minds back to. Episode two, where we where we watched Alfred Hitchcock's uh, Rear Window, mm. and we spoke about this concept called the male gaze, you know, and we touched upon it, and now we're kind of like going the complete other direction, you know, the opposing, um, I guess, theory would it be film theory or fem- yeah, it's a theory. Mm-hmm. It's I think of it as a process. Okay. Yeah, so I guess you know what, Maite, how about you take away take it away? Give us a little background on the female gaze and what it's all about. Okay, so just I'll just start by saying I'm not really I wouldn't call myself an expert. Um I don't even know if I'm a cinephile. I don't know how to define that. I think I watch a lot of movies. You need to at least have and... watched a hundred and two films. That's not a lot. Yeah, it's not a lot. I should have gone higher. How much you watch in a week? Yeah, that sounds like a lot, dude. Well, yeah, I guess I guess for the movie. Yeah, coming from a movie newbie, yeah, Yeah. that's two movies a week. I thought you met a hundred and two in your life, and I was like, oh, (laughs) I could have gone that bad. I could have gone that bad. Yeah. I just I think I have the gift of being extremely opinionated and reacting to things very strongly. Um, And you know this, Raf. And so I would watch films mostly for narrative, but I always loved it or hated it. And I didn't really think about movies in the way that they were being constructed or as the movie industry being something, you know, real in our our society. Basically, until Raph came along in yeah. my life. and I, Yeah, I kind of unveiled that, didn't I? I, I really destroyed way, the magic. Yeah. In a way, burst my bubble. Yeah. I mean, um, when we watched The Jungle Book together, I was like, <laughs> I was like, where did they film this beautiful film? And Raph showed me videos of just a little kid in front of a blue screen. And I was upset because I thought, oh, shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> movies are a lie. Yeah. Um, but... It did burst the magic in some way because that day I lost um, my innocence, I guess, in terms of 
watching movies, but it also opened up this whole world where I could kind of, um, you know, analyze every layer that goes into a film, like the process and also the way that I receive it. So um, I also did gender and sexuality studies uh, during my bachelor. So a lot of that was looking at media and just kind of um, deconstructing the things that I was watching specifically uh, in the patriarchal context. So I'm not necessarily an expert on cinema, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I study these things. So I'm always looking for films that do things differently that aren't always replicating the same kind of patriarchal codes. Um, and have we introduced the film that we're watching yet? I was just about to say. Not yet, no. I just, yeah, I was really just about like, to say. I just really like this conversation. It's really <laughs> nice. Um, Perfect. Yeah, no, but please, like like you say, all you need is opinions. I mean, and, and thank you for coming on board and, and for sharing your opinions about this film that we're about to... Who wants yeah. to introduce it? I feel like... I think, film, I, think right? I just wanted to say that Maite is definitely a lot more knowledgeable about this subject than three of us. So I guess we're... We're all going to be movie newbies in this context, so mm. thank you for being on the mm-hmm. show. And I guess, you know what, how about you take it away, Maite? You give us the movie, because it is the, I guess, the expert. The expert has to tell us what it is. All right. <laughs> the movie is Portrait of a Lady on Fire by Céline Siama. Where do Can we start? Can you tell us the French title as well? <laughs> Portrait de la jeune fille en feu. Mm, so much mm. more beautiful than oh, English. I love it. Oh, yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that's, that's what I wanted to hear. Conversation, yeah. Just because yeah. we would have seen it in French. I mean, like French and understood it. Um, yeah. As as a French person. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, how about we take it away with initial thoughts? Um, who wants to go first? Oh, yeah. Sure. I can I can steer the ship for a little bit. I guess. I mean. Ah, uh, this movie. I watched it with Maite. It was my first watch uh, with her, which was uh, last year, I believe. This movie came out and I keep thinking 2018, but it was 2019. Uh, am I right? Am I correct to, to say that? It was um, like five months ago. Exactly. Five months ago. And I, <laughs> and, <laughs> my memory serves me well. Um, but I also, um, it was so, it was such a unique watch. Um, it was a movie that kind of stunned me uh, and brought the, the portrayal of the female gaze upon my eyes and, and really kind of cultivated a new way to approach films and a new way to be aware about how to tell stories. Uh, and it's, yeah, like it's an absolutely stunning film that, you know, has accumulated multiple accolades as well. It's kind of, it really lit a blaze no pun intended, um, about its story of love, passion, painting, and fire. Um, and I, I, I truly think uh, this is, uh, like, Celine is someone that's a master of her craft, and this was a masterpiece, in my opinion, uh, in, uh, just as a, whole, as a whole story. It just, yeah, it ticked all the boxes. Nice. Ollie? I'll, uh, yeah, I'll just go quickly before handing it over to you. Um... Well, I want to hear what our movie newbie, Jay Brill, thinks. And then I also <laughs> want to hear why, um, because Maite, I believe, suggested this film. I think this was the film that she brought here to discuss. Um, and I'd really want to hear you talk about why you thought this really encapsulated the female gaze and also why you just thought it's a great movie for us to talk about. But I'll say, yeah, I, I'd seen this film before once earlier this year when um, 
I heard that we'd be talking about it on the podcast. And I was really excited to revisit it. Um, it hasn't been that long, but um, I, this film had a remarkable effect on me when I first watched it. Um, it kind of just left me speechless. Um, I was just incredibly moved. I think it, when you watch and watching it again, I was reminded of the, um, I guess, like the cumulative effect it has. You start the film and you're sort of drawn in and you're enjoying it. And you, you, you know, you know, you, you settle into its pace. But I was watching the for the first hour or so and thinking, you know, I, I remember feeling really devastated when I watched it last time. And right now I'm, I'm, I'm not getting that. But then it just slowly builds and builds and builds. And then you're in that final 15 minute, 30 minute stretch. And you're like, my heart is just in my throat the entire time. I remember this feeling. And um, yeah, it's it is like like Raf said, sorry. Um, it is just an example of a master artist working at the top of their craft. You know, every shot is so mm. carefully composed. And that would be a shout out to the cinematographer as well and all the rest of the crew. The um, the sound design is fantastic. There's no music score, but I think that's a brilliant choice in this case. The acting is, you know, top shelf. It's just a wonderful, wonderful movie and one that I'd advise anyone to watch. Um, but yeah, excited to talk about it. Jabril, what did you think? All right, so do you guys want funny <laughs> oh God, story? Here it is. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, you guys want a funny go. story? <laughs> funny story, and then my my initial thoughts, or initial Sounds, thoughts, then funny yeah. story. Which one do you want first? Initial thoughts, then funny story. That's me, but that's just me. That's just okay. who I am. I guess that's I'll just go I with go. that. I'll just go with that. Okay, so initial thoughts. Um, I thought it was a very touching movie. Like the the emotion, kind of just like bled out through the screen and just like into my body. I was just really touched by it. I thought it was a very lovely plot. Uh, like Maite uh, said in the beginning, uh, the pacing was excellent. I really enjoyed it, especially since I was like reading it, you know, like I wasn't processing it like in French, like I had to read it and I was still like engaged. Um, one of the things that I really, really liked was um, the use of lighting. I feel like in most movies, um, women are like cast in shadow just to like accentuate their body and to like sexualize them a lot more. And in this movie, everyone was fully lit, you know, just like there wasn't that many shadows. And that's one of the things that caught my eye. Um, and uh, I like how you said the, the lack of music kind of like Ollie, when you were saying lack of music, mm. um, my favorite scene, well, I'm just gonna, well, no, I'm not gonna say it. Actually, fuck, I'm going to take that back. Dang it. Um, but uh, that last scene with Vivaldi, um, Four Seasons, the way mm. it closes, is just the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. So those that's the initial thoughts. Damn. You want the the funny story I'm just, like, I'm just like pretty stunned by by this uh this 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 like gathering of thoughts and like what you shared i was like damn but, but ollie we've done we've done well we've uh we've, we've evolved, yeah we've evolved absolutely through. i'll take credit for that yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think lighting and i yeah we both raise our eyebrows ralph and i you talked yeah. about lighting and we were like damn yeah. not so newbie no 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 oh, now yeah. just a movie mm. All right, all right, Jabriel, stay in your lane, okay? You know, you're stepping on mine, Raph's rolls here. Come on. Okay, yeah. so let me tell you the funny story. We know about the movie talk here, okay? Follow it up with some humor to make them feel yeah, better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, okay, you watch so. yourself, Jabriel. You watch yourself. I don't know. Let me let me see if I can find, like, you know, the synopsis kind of thing where um, how a portrait of it's a lady. It's about a portrait of a lady 
Because so, like radio. when I was looking for the movie, I found it on Mubi. You know how it has the little like description of what the movie is. Is that a synopsis? Is that is that what you call yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, the premise. Yeah. Okay, so here, France. Uh, the painter is commissioned to do a wedding portrait of Eloise, a young woman who has left. So I read that right, and I don't know. Just in my head, I pictured like <laughs> Paris, and then a freaking eagle soaring through Paris. <laughs> And it seriously just brought me to Assassin's Creed, like this person, like stalking around this woman, trying to like figure out how to paint her and things. And I just found myself <laughs> laughing. I was like, "Oh, why do you always do this, Jake?" Um, <laughs> and then, yeah. wait, was this before you watched the film? This was the image you had in your head, yeah, just reading the synopsis. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder how how your yeah how it must have changed you to realize that it wasn't at all what you had imagined. Um, yeah, yeah. It's like, where's the mm. eagle? Where's? <laughs> I don't know. I just I just saw that. It just the trailer from that video game just popped into my mind. That's but anyways, funny. yeah. Um, That's great. I think let's let's get into it. Yeah, let's uh, do it. Mate, I don't know if you want to like start talking about anything we said or if you want to, you know. Take the reins and. Well, I guess we can introduce um, female gaze as I understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be curious to hear you guys introduce, since you have talked about the male gaze before. Um, just does anyone want to share like your understanding of uh, sure. male gaze, and we can yeah, go from there. Kind of a, like a like a on unscripted um, I don't have a definition at all here but I guess unscripted and uh explanation of what the female gaze for me is uh, no like it, I mean I meant the male because you have talked about oh, the, male the, gaze before the male gaze the male gaze uh right. the male gaze is uh okay I'm I feel like I'm gonna butcher this but the male well gaze, I I I well I I, might, I can take a step okay yeah I think you're better Let's with go. words as well uh, no no I mean no, I don't know about that. I just think, I think luckily enough, um, so just for the listeners to know, Maite very helpfully provided some reading material before we uh, came on this podcast. So I feel like the ideas are kind of fresh in my mind. Um, but as I understand it, which is probably not well, um, the male gaze is kind of this uh, trend or like the dominant trend in cinema that has been established since the beginning of the mainstream art form where uh the the way in which films are made, the way in which the images on screen are presented are kind of from the perspective of the man because um, men are, have been, uh, have taken control of the form and have been the only ones for decades in the 20th century, century uh, been the ones that were predominantly allowed to direct films, to direct actors and to control where the narrative goes and to control how the narrative is told. And so that is why women are presented typically different on screen than men are. And that is why stories are usually structured uh, with sort of, I guess, I don't I, I don't know if male values is the right term. I did have one term actually for you, scopophilia, mm. um, which mm. if mm. I can redeem any intellect here from being a cinephile, scopophilia, the aesthetic pleasure uh, from looking at someone or an object. And I feel the male gaze was men. Yeah, looking at women. At yeah, that and that's important. I think it's like sexualizing, right? Yeah. I think, I think, because in the past I used to think, oh, male gaze is when a man directs a movie, and female gaze is when a non-man directs the movie, and that's not necessarily true. I think the whole idea of even sexualizing or filming in a way that perhaps sexualizes the object 
could be defined as the male gaze and anything that is a repudiation of that would be the female gaze. But then maybe this film that we're discussing today kind of um, is exempt from that. So I don't know. How are we doing, my my day? Yeah, like, no, Are absolutely. we way off base? So just to the essay that you're referring to is Laura Mulvey's 1975 essay um, called Visual and Other Pleasures, where she kind of she kind of coined the term male gaze. Um, and it's just a theory of um, basically just objectification of women in film. So all the things that you said, um, but the argument for her and the, the reason we want to think about this and kind of be concerned with this issue is that the viewer always identifies himself or herself. So as you said, regardless of gender through the hero and the hero um, objectifies the female characters. Um, and that's done through a bunch of different techniques. Uh, if you've ever done film theory, you know, they'll show you like movies um, from the fifties where, you know, you scan a woman's body from the toes to the head or like close-ups. I mean, yeah. Thinking about Hitchcock's binoculars, that is the, the perfect, perfect, mm. perfect <laughs> example of male gaze. Um, this type of voyeurism. And the issue with that is that the viewer basically learns to take pleasure from looking at female bodies. Um, so when we're talking about this theory, we also have to acknowledge that um, it's not really an innocent process because we are influenced by the images that we consume and we consume a lot of them, especially in our um, society today. So, when you are always representing this kind of power asymmetry where you know the 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 male is in the active role and the female is in the passive role and she's objectified and she doesn't have a voice and you know all of these things then you're always replicating the same messages and it's things that we internalize and like you said Ollie people will sometimes think oh well it's a female director how can it be male gaze but Laura Mulvey actually says that this whole thing of male gaze is actually an unconscious process and why is mm. it unconscious is because cinephiles learn from the codes that they've been presented with so they'll watch a movie they'll watch a masterpiece like Hitchcock's work and they'll be replicating the same codes and they'll be replicating the same formula and they'll be filming images the same way because that's that's what they've that's what they've learned so, so the the, lang the language that has been set, like film film grammar, film language that has been established as canon, yeah. is has been filtered through the male gaze and is therefore kind of impossible to unlearn and impossible for people not to be influenced by whether they're male or female going mm -hmm. into this, trying to make a film of their own. And and like you said, it it had like a this massive ripple effect where other auteurs or filmmakers create the same thing. So all we see is that. Um, so having having a film like Portrait of a Lady on Fire is, yeah, just a, a massive refreshment and a massive reevaluation of how we view cinema. Absolutely. And so when we when we think about male gaze, well, we think, well, where do we go from here and how else can we make cinema? And for theorists that are interested in the female gaze, they I'm interested in reinventing new codes in and that's the issue if if this whole process of the power asymmetry is an unconscious then it takes a conscious effort for somebody to be like i'm going to make this film in a completely new way and i think 
I, when I watched Portrait of a Lady on Fire for the first time, I, uh, I too was speechless and breathless and I, I, shaken to my core because part of me understood that this, it was a revolution for me. It was, it was, a, it, it was like day one of this whole new <laughs> possibility. Um, and, you know, it can come down to the techniques. It can come down to just like moving the camera, like the camera being in movement with uh, the protagonist, which we see in this film all the time. It can come down to, you know, you won't get any close-ups of like a, a breast or you won't get, um, or even like Jabril, you already mentioned like the the lighting, like no, no shadow play, no, like it can come down to techniques, but it's also down to the whole process. So having a collaboration, having, and it, it, you know, it doesn't have to be women making this film. In this example, it was mostly a female team, but it, it you know, it's it, regardless of gender, it just requires a conscious effort for the, for the team to want to make this movie differently. And I think the thing that's most important to me in terms of female gaze is I'm interested in disrupting the power asymmetry that we've seen in film. So I remember when we first talked, uh, well, when you guys first talked a few episodes back of, about um, what you were thinking about female gaze, all you brought up Magic Mike XL. <laughs> and no, no, now. I mean, it's, it's, I've heard that a thousand times. That's the, that's the first time that I, that I think female gaze was kind of popularized. For me, that's not the point because it's objectification. It's a film entirely on objectification. It has its own value, absolutely. But for me, female gaze isn't about reversing the roles. It's not about, mm. oh, we'll objectify men instead. Also, it's a tricky argument to make um, in terms of narrative because there's money involved and they're paying for a service and it's inherently a question of domination and, uh, and power which for me, it's not the point. I, in female gaze, I'm interested about interaction and connection and not this, uh, not domination, kind of the opposite of what we're doing in our society and, you mm. know, reinventing power, reinventing power as, as wholeness, as, as realness, as intimacy, whatever. It's just, I'm yes. <laughs> oh no! I was gonna say sorry. I didn't. I didn't want to cut you off because you were um, uh, on a roll there. I think. But um, I just want to, So, would you say then that the female gaze? You said you don't want it to be about. It shouldn't have anything to do with exploitation, with domination and submission. Would you say because these are? Would you say that it's impossible to take the female gaze as a theory out of the context of feminism as a whole? Do you think that the values espoused through the female gaze should be? are consistent with those of what, broadly speaking, the feminist revolution is attempting to do? I mean, it really depends, because I think, uh, I mean, there's so many different feminist movements, and I think yeah. I just, for me, I'm, I'm also like a little bit radical in my feminism, where I just want to completely dismantle patriarchy, and I don't, I don't, I will never understand um, the, the power in the way that it's been sold to me, the power being, you know, somebody's, somebody's in power would at the oppression of everybody else. And so 
when it's, you know, either remaking movies and just having a female cast, even though it's still kind of a male story, like mm. I'm not interested in that. Yeah. Or yeah, or having Magic Mike, you know, that's... It, because those are those are the same codes, like you were, t you were saying. It's the same codes. Mm. You just put female bodies in there. Mm. And I mean, in terms of like female remakes, um, there's an argument to be made that there's a lot of money in the industry and why not give it to actresses as much? Like it's, I'm not arguing the value of it, but for me, I'm not that interested in having, like going forward, I'm not that interested in, in doing the same things because like you said, Raph, it's the same formula being applied. Mm -hmm. um, I'm interested in a whole new way of telling stories and Celine Siama, that's, I mean, when in, I've watched interviews of her and she says that's her, her goal. Her goal was just to build a love story in equality. And I just think that's actually revolutionary. And it sounds like it's been attempted before, but when you watch this film, you, I mean, we all, we've all kind of touched on it. It's, you're just kind of shaken. It's a breath of fresh air. It's a whole new possibility. Mm -hmm. So we can sure. get more into the film. <laughs> yeah, let's get yeah, into the yeah, film. Yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. about to say. That was a big um, intro. Yeah, yeah. it was, was a good a intro. Yeah. Um, I think the, I think the, very topic, necessary. the topic at very hand, is, yeah, especially with the topic at hand, it's very yeah. necessary to try and cover as many bases as possible. For sure. Um, so yeah, let's get into it. I think you have uh, the first thing you want to delve into. So take it away. Yeah, so we can we can start with um, well, kind of that exact idea of of um, what I called in my notes, goodbye objectification. Mm. <laughs> um, Sound effect. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Explosion. <laughs> um, okay. I mean, this this film is so brilliant. I feel like overwhelmed. There's so many things I want to say. <laughs> Um, first in terms of narrative, I mean, the, the premise is kind of that this, um, the matriarch of this household is about to marry her daughter, um, and she hires a painter to come and do a portrait of her, which will kind of be giving her away to a man, and Eloise, who's about to be married, refuses to be painted. Um, I mean, just that in itself, it's her, it's her refusal to be rendered an object um, and her refusal to be reduced to a wife in a marriage that's unwanted because, you know, she, it's not of her choosing. Um, so just in that, you know, we see the protagonist being robbed of her agency and she, um, that's, that's clearly not okay with her. So that's kind of how we meet this character. Um, in terms of the way that the, that we view the relationship between the painter and Eloise, you'll, you'll find that the gaze is always shared, which mm. is something that's so incredible. It's, there's, there's always an exchange between the two characters. So even just in that, you don't get the, the, the classic codes of just like being the viewer and Kevin having this distance from the characters, you really are in it. You're in the room with them. Um, 
Yeah, and you're getting, I think, with that with that whole uh, exchange in gaze between both of them, between Marianne and, and Eloise, for me, I felt like, especially the second time watching it, it felt like a, a dance, like a gaze dance, you know, looking from back to front, kind of constantly in motion of each other's, like, looks or regards, uh, and it creates this kind of delicate choreography between them two that is quite beautiful, and it's never... Um, it never uses power to to yeah to to explain what this is. It's not yeah submission or it's not dominance. It's 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 well, a beautiful dance. It, it, I mean, it almost does become about that for one scene, and then one of the characters, rightfully so, um, like dismisses that concept right out of hand. I mean, we can touch on that a little bit later, but that is a moment where someone talks about another human being and. Uh, as if they were property or as if they were something that could be owned. And the other person is like, you know, I'm not even going to, I'm not going to even accept that as a thought right now. I'm not even going to listen to you. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right about the looks. It's because like, I think so much of at least the first, like the courtship between the two ca lead characters is about what is unspoken. Mm. And it's about what couldn't, it's the love that couldn't be spoken, you know, that couldn't be um, given a voice at the beginning and, until they're right, until they're alone. But um I think that makes it so much that just adds so much tension to the yeah. experience of watching this um, because you're waiting for one of them to just acknowledge what is clearly happening between them. Um, it's well, they, well, we want that for them to acknowledge it because that's what we are, we're used to. We're used to seeing love expressed in words like I love you. But in yeah. this moment, it's just kind of expressed with with just this this respect of one another through the way they sort of take in one another. Yeah, it's as if it's as if there were like two languages to this film, um, or or if you're not French, three languages. Um, <laughs> but the two languages being, uh, for, for what I like to to say, is the spoken narrative or the dialogue or the sharing of conversation, and then the second language is the gaze subtext of like what you are able to, the stories you are able to um, hear or well not hear but see through 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 the eyes and the eyes only mm. tell you well, so much. They also spoke French and Italian, and so there's a couple languages. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, it's it's, but it's that that just um, brings you closer to it and wants you to be yeah. even more part of it because I of just that. I wanted to say like the moment when um, is it Marianne? Marianne, the, the the painter, the painter, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that's okay. Um, when she asks Eloise um, about the death of her sister. What was it? She was like, did you think she wanted to kill herself or something like that? And Eloise responds like, no one's ever asked me that before. And I think that's mm -hmm. the moment where there was like, oh, this is a different kind of uh, connection between two people. Or I, I feel like her, her mom has tried to like, uh, you know, silence silence her or like you know make the her truth yeah you know like i feel like she makes her go on these play dates like adult play dates with people that she doesn't want to do or whatever and um this is the first time that she's connected with someone in a way um, yeah and there's all these i mean watching this for the second time and having that in my head like i there's so many little moments where it felt like like a little sprinkled of that like little clues like you see when marianne so her whole job is to paint Eloise without her noticing because she refuses to pose for the painting mm -hmm. that will kind of end life as she knows it. So um, you you have her kind of tiptoeing around her, but she's also trying to get closer to her. And she talks to, is it Sophie? Sophia? 
the 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 house the, servant. The hand, yeah, the Sophia. Uh, Sophie, uh, yes, so Sophie. Sophia. Sophie? Lua, uh, Luana, Luana, uh, Bojrami. Sophie. Okay. Sophie. Well, yeah. there's a scene where, um, because Marianne is trying to finish the portrait, she asks Sophie, you know, I haven't seen her smile. How can I finish this? And she replies, Have you tried being funny? And mm -hmm. you know, there's hmm. that's that's kind of a thing of like, well, yeah, you know, it always takes two. There's the oh, that's a lie. says that to her. She says yeah. it takes two to be funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, or the the moment where um, the first time Eloise agrees to pose for her and Marianne, you know, she, it's when she's in painter mode, that's kind of when she's in her power mm. and you kind of, you have moments where she's, you know, she'll kind of direct her. And then Eloise gets her to come over to where she is and she goes, well, I wrote these notes in French. Nous sommes à la même place. Si vous me regardez, qui je regarde moi? Which means, uh, yeah. you know, if I, if you're looking at me, <laughs> what am I looking at? <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, what does that mean, Mahita? <laughs> um, she basically, yeah, she just tells her, look, we're in, we're in the same, we're in the same place. If I'm, yeah. if you're over there looking at me, then come over here. What do I see? I'm looking at you back. So there's all these subtle little hints. Um, and even Celine talks about uh, merely in terms of casting. It was really important that these women be of the same build, the same height, the same kind of skin complexion. So it was really all these little, all these choices made all in the name of equality. Yeah. What do you think, so can you speak to that yourself? Why, why do you think beyond just like a surface level equality do you think it was important? Do you think they were meant to be interchange or sort of like reflections of one another in a way? Or um, do you think, yeah, what was the purpose, do you think, to hiring two women who resembled one another? I think that's well, in this in this context, in the context of this film where everything's a subtle message, I can't imagine it happening any other way just because there's these women almost kind of arrive as like blank slates and they, and everything that happens like unravels in front of your eyes. Whilst I think um, if there were differences in their appearances, then there's already, it's almost like there's already stories that come with them. Um, and there's, mm. there's bound to be some sort of like power dynamic, whether they're real or imagined, whether the viewer sees them that way you know, or whether it's actually the characters. I think having two women that are so similar, I think it's it's a brilliant choice because then it really can, you really can witness um, a relationship in true equality. Mm. And you really can have these moments of, yeah, it's almost like the, I mean, you just watch this whole, you watch the whole entire process with them. I really think of them as just, arriving you don't really know anything about either woman and you just kind of get to find out through the way that they find out more and more about each other yeah and i think i think they um they they do have that um that similarity yet yet that contrast in in their in their concepts um or that contrast in 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 their in their ideas of of their identity so i think like i put Marianne as independent and I put Heloise as conditioned 
and then I put Mayan as uh, um, freedom and Eloise as establishment. Uh, Mayan kind of has experienced life. Eloise uh, hasn't is in, is in kind of exile from life. Um, and I and and that that both of them are learning from one another to discover their own freedom. There's like that message of self identity and and self image as well. And obviously, I think yeah, yeah. I think it's really interesting to think about where they are at the start of the when they meet one another at the start of the film, mm. and where they go over the course of the story and where they end up. Because um, they kind of in a way, it's not like they switch positions, but. I just think that, you know, when we first meet Eloise's character, she's, as she as is commented on in the film, she's really angry, and rightfully so. She's just pissed off at the world because everything has been taken from her. But then um, uh, the character Marianne is uh, obviously, has led what seems to be a more fulfilling life, so she's more content. But as the story goes on, I think Marianne becomes angrier and angrier and more agitated and afraid towards the end, whereas... Eloise weirdly becomes more accepting of her fate, even though she's just about to be sent off to live with a man, to marry a man that she's never met and to have a life she did not ask for. But I wondered if it was because, um, in a way, she's more content because she's finally got to experience something that she never got before. And that for her is enough, even if it's not going to last. Whereas for Marianne, she wants it to last forever. Mm. Um, but yeah, as, as um, we should probably move on to... Do we want to do questions or can we talk a little bit more about some well, of the other topics? We have uh, two more sections to go through, I think. Um, okay, because, right, right. Because of the nature of this episode, we, we're gonna, it's going to be a little bit longer than it usually is. But um, yeah, we'll get to the questions later. Um, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I think Maite has another section for us. And I think it's called something... Um... <laughs> something. We'll be talking about pace, which is a huge huge topic for this film. Um, in my notes, I called it the magic of patience. Um, where do we begin? I think we can begin with the opening scene um, where the Marianne, the character that we meet, is sitting and posing for her students. And she says, prenez le temps de me regarder. Take take time to look at me, to observe me. And watching this film for the second time, I just thought, well, here we go. Like premise set, mm. message is clear. Brilliant. This is the journey. Mm. Um, this film is so, I don't really know how to describe the pace because it's not, it's definitely not slow because there's so much to pick up on. Um, I guess it's it's still. The first time we watched it, I didn't use headphones, so I thought it was silent, mostly. And then I watched it this time mm -hmm. around with headphones, and there's always fire crackling yes. in every scene, mm. which I thought, wow, how did I miss that? <laughs> even even by the um, water. There's it's fire or water, which it, when um, Ollie, you were talking about these like these two women and how they kind of learn from each other, I actually think of it oh as God. an elemental journey. I, I see Marianne as the earth and the air, mm. and I see Marianne as obviously the fire. Like, mm. I mean, Eloise as the fire, her anger, but also the water, the the emotions and the and then they learn from each other, and it's almost like they become like a whole. They become. They reach the avatar state. That's, I just, sorry, I just <laughs> wanted to say, um, because the the ending song 
um, is called Four Seasons by Vivaldi, and it's supposed to show weather and um, the changing seasons and the elements and things like that. So that's a very interesting use of music as well. And their environment, right? So they're either indoors with a candle or a fireplace, or they're outside by the ocean or the beach, right? So there's, a, and I mean, mm. you know, we'll talk about colors of this film too. The costume the co- design. Oh, and the costume design, yeah. Mm. Like the, you know, the whole aesthetic of this film. Um, and I, man, the colors, holy the palette. fuck me. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like, it's so vividly, it, it like leaps out of the screen. It, it's almost tangible. You like touch it, smell it, taste it. It's like, it becomes this whole new virtual film that I'm like, what the, yeah, so. So I have a question um, for for you guys who, I guess would, you'd say you'd mostly watch maybe American cinema or at least, I, here's my question. Let me rephrase that because that wasn't a question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so my housemate said to me that the silence was held more than felt comfortable. And I don't remember feeling any discomfort, but I also, I think I've, I feel like I've seen movies that are similar just from French cinema because my mom, um, we had a lot of French cinema at home. And so I had seen films that were kind of similar in the way that they were subtle and kind of almost like anti-American. Um, and I just kind of wonder, because I know that in, especially American cinema, it's, it's catered to such a shorter attention span and I wonder if that's, then I thought, well, maybe it's because I'm used to it because I've seen French cinema. I don't know. I feel like there's a conversation maybe to be had around that. Um, I remember one of the QI facts was that a silence is awkward after four seconds. And I really? thought, yeah. Oh, I, <laughs> who, who, like who defines that? Though? According who to who? Uh, yeah, according exactly. to like experiments. Done. Yeah, this is probably like a consensus. Uh, <laughs> But that's for like Western, for Westerners. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I think I think it is kind of a slap in the face if you are if you are comparing it to a lot of American cinema that it's often so much about like the visceral things and like showing everything. It's way more exhibitionist, whilst this film is all about the subtleties and mm. the layers and the the crackling of like, the fire and the and the mm. just the pace. Like. Um... I'd say Christopher Nolan, I watched this video about Christopher Nolan the other day about how he uses exposition a lot and how he has to like, the characters have to describe what they're doing all the time, you know, to get from here to there. And this movie doesn't do anything with it, you know, it uses like, like the eyes. Um, And I guess, I don't know, maybe growing up in Asia, you know, the power of the look of looking at people, it talks a lot. Like you can see it in, I think, uh, South Indian dance, Bali, uh, Balinese dance, the use of eyes and looking and things like that. And I just thought that was familiar in a way. Like Catapelli um, or Aspara dancing, yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know. I guess it's maybe a, uh, something different to like the mainstream blockbusters. Yeah, well, I think I think what what you're also describing is like that this film is utterly human in what it's mm-hmm. trying to do um, because yeah, Christopher Nolan, great example, ex, exhibition, exhibition, um, exposition everywhere, uh, characters talking, and that no no one does that, but yet we are looking at it and we're like, yeah, okay, I'll buy what those characters are doing. Whereas this, it's like you you feel you're feeling it's cathartic because it's like this is so human. 
yes. Whereas so other palpable. Films, palpable, yeah, exactly. I think it's like, um, with, you know, people, it's not just uh, when people are comparing American cinema to, say, European cinema or to Eastern cinema, they often, they, I think they do talk, you're right, about the use of silence or how uh, they're more comfortable with silence in uh, Eastern or European cinema. But then they're also, I think another com uh, comparable distinction is the editing style, you know, they, they mentioned that American movies or mainstream cinema is typically edited a lot more quickly in a more ADHD fashion, for lack of a better term. And that's and what they talk about when they talk about Eastern cinema or European cinema, for example, is about how they hold the shot for a lot longer before cutting away. And that, too, like a like a like a prolonged silence makes people uncomfortable because when you're watching cinema, we're actually uncomfortable with the reality unfolding before our eyes that's why an edit breaks the reality and it allows us to kind of it's almost like exhaling after holding a breath in yeah, and i think I... that's what silence is done used to similar effect here and also i think the shots are genuinely quite they take their time you know this isn't like a edit there's not like a cut every five seconds in this film i despise that so much when a film does that <laughs> when it edits too much because it's robbing me of what the fuck the actor's trying to do mm -hmm. and it's like robbing me of the story so these still shots <laughs> these extended plays allow the hold actor on, to do their job you know? i think hold that's on, what Raph. we love i think in the movie newbie is like these long extended shots whether it be still or moving or whatever it's something that we all like i think every movie we're like damn those long shots those are cool <laughs> i like the long yeah. shots <laughs> well it, it talks it talks to the pace right it talks to the pace of this film which is what maite was you mentioned right it's that part of the pacing is letting us breathe with the scene letting us be in the scene with the scene um but ollie what the hell were you gonna say you gonna i was gonna make a dumb joke i was gonna say that <laughs> How dare you suggest that Michael Bay is not an outstanding <laughs> director of actors? Ah, uh, yeah, I know. You take that like, back. I, There's nothing wrong with cutting to 16 different angles of an actor while they're delivering one sentence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and 32 shots of one explosion. Oh. And then yeah, a crane yeah. shot over, overhead. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, no, absolutely. Well, I think, I, I think this touches a little bit on what I was saying in my intro to this film where um, I feel like the effect of this film is cumulative, you know? By, like you're saying, Maite, by sort of allowing the viewer to sort of relax into the pace, by into a comfortable pace that the film sets and the film dictates, then it allows you, it allows it to kind of have an effect on you that you're not aware of as it's happening. It's something that sort of just builds over time in the background until, you know, until it's, it's you know, basically... Well, yeah, it's, it's in your throat, smacking you in the face at the end. And um, you both mentioned breath, which I think is perfect because not only is there, you have space to breathe just as the viewer, but in having a silent room with the actresses, you watch them breathe. When you have, I mean, it's, and it's like an hour and a half of foreplay, this film, um, mm. until they're like, you know, the, the, the big climax by the bonfire. Mm. Um, which is the first time that you hear a song, a chant, which is a very haunting chant as well. That kind scares of the together. shit out of me. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, it was. It's like, like the dull. It's like the Midsommar Dolby's. flashbacks. Seriously. <laughs> it, so okay, so the credits, right? It's the same song. So I got up, like I was doing stuff in the kitchen, and then in the credits, I like I had it like super loud as well, and like out of nowhere, I could hear like. Uh, oh. 
And I was like, oh my god, what is that? Ah! And it's then I haunting. It it's hauntingly beautiful. It, get, it turns into like a really beautiful, like, um, choir kind of sound. But did anyone research what the song is? I no, I didn't. I didn't. It was in the. I saw. I saw the title in the credits, but and it wasn't I in the soundtrack. Forgot. We usually do our research here at Movie Newbie, but this time. Uh, it's um. It's the it's 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 almost the, Christmas. We're kind of slacking. Por- a little bit. <laughs> yeah, por- yeah. Por- por- okay, you want to listen to my French? Uh, portrait de la jeune fille en feu. Is that? The song? I assumed it was written jeune for the song. En feu. Mm. So she, uh, Celine, actually Google translated one of uh, a very famous quote from Nietzsche. Nietzsche, sorry. Um, well, she translated from French, um, so it would have been written in. German, she translated the French quote, which is plus nous nous élevons et plus nous paraissons petits à ceux qui ne savent pas voler. So the, the higher we soar, the smaller we appear to those who haven't left the ground. She literally Google translated that into Latin and they made this song. <laughs> oh, um, a master but of there's, the craft. That's so weird because officially there's just two songs. There's, I'm guessing, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Is that what I just read in French? Yeah. Portrait of the Young Lady on Fire, right? Isn't that the direct translation? I guess. Yes. Ooh la la. I guess there's a. I guess. Well, <laughs> now. I, uh, I, did, so, I did three years of French in primary school. So is that the song? Like, did, did okay. they call that Portrait I'm of not, I don't I'm know. I'm not sure. That's what I'm reading here on Wikipedia. I, I'm pretty yeah, sure it was. I a, think we're both reading I, Wikipedia. We can, yeah. It's pretty clear that it was like anyways, a Exactly. <laughs> that's the climax. And then the women kind of finally get to embrace they get to you get to see them finally touch one another and Mm. that embrace they hold one another and you just see them breathe together Mm. and it's so sensual and it's so deliberate and it's just just watching them breathe i mean Mm. it's such a gift it's i for me it's the it's the opposite of voyeurism and the opposite of objectification it's just this like embodied presence and you just you don't, yeah, you're just in it with them. I think it's so it palpable and magical. Yeah. It's like, it's, usually when I watch a movie and you see like people have like, like, you know, the typical sex scene, slam the door and then they're like up on the wall and they're like, Ugh. and then they go and they get thrown <laughs> and they're like, Ugh. and then it's Gabriel just like shadows. Sorry. Like, <laughs> so, like me just derping. Um, anyways, um, in this movie, I was just like, you know, I'm so happy for them. They're, they they got what they wanted. But well, like right. in the it's other this... movies, it's just like, who does this? No one does this in real life, you know? It's like, very martial. It's, it's very martial. It's not grounded, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, I think yeah, this it... is a... Sorry. I was gonna oh, say, no, I was just going to say... Because that was perfect timing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, perfect. Well, let, let's do that. What's, what's section three, then? The truth about womanhood. Boom. Boom. I guess On behalf like... of all women, I will say this is the truth. <laughs> this is no. the entire truth. Um, well, obviously, I mean, we have the we have the context of we have the patriarchal context, which kind of exists in the house as the matriarch. The matriarch may be a woman, but she is a woman who is in this structure as well, and she. Um, like we said, you know, protects her, protects her daughter and is about to 
kind of give her away um, in marriage. Um, there's also, it's, yeah, what am I trying to say? Once the matriarch goes, basically, when the, once the matriarch leaves the house, we find that community takes its place. And I think that's something I think about all the time. Once I personally, um, I'm involved in a few women's circles that happen in this kind of other realm, which is outside of the patriarchy. And every single time I see this truth, I see this sense of community and instantly you kind of see this women become equal. There's this scene where they're all making dinner together and they're just kind of, ah, oh, it's so beautiful. This is like my favorite scene of the film. Hands down, really? we're going to talk about that later. Uh, but yeah, for yeah. Sure. Well, and, and and I think a part of that, uh, it was not a re- it was not a montage, but when the matriarch kind of leaves, uh, all of these scenes are so like mm. you're right. They're so they're so communal. And one of my favorite scenes is when they play card game. I mean, that's there's no there's nothing more beautiful and like so fucking happy than like uh, yeah. It's they read the story of Orpheus. They, they play oh. cards. They socialize. <laughs> they're also yeah. complicit in a big secret um, because. Yeah. Sophie uh, tells them that she's pregnant and it's she doesn't want to have a child and she couldn't deal with it under the matriarch's presence. Mm-hmm. So they, there's this sense of complicity and of community that is instantly established as soon as they have this little this safe space. Do you think Sophie knew about uh, Marianne and um, Eloise? What, at what point in the film? You mean, I mean in like, once... you know... Like, remember when they get woken up, I think, for Sophie to go to her, um, I guess, her, the uh, the abortion scene? Yeah. You know, and like right before they enter, there's a scene, uh, there's a shot where Sophie looks at the both of them. Yeah. And I guess it's kind of like maybe kind of trying to say that she knows something's up, but I don't know. I think there was like both of them having secrets about each other. They're all like... I think she knows. I love that scene as well, because I think that's one of the ones where you it's the truth of the the like range of female experience. You have this this young woman who's about to go through something pretty intense. It's difficult to watch. She she gets an abortion in a, you know, 1770 way. (laughs) It looks I found it difficult to watch. It's very difficult to watch. Um a child undoes her dress and a toddler is like mm. lying on her chest as she goes. Yeah. It's very, it's very a difficult to watch. It's yeah. a lot. And at the same time you have like, just before they enter into that scene, you have Eloise and Marianne who have just spent their first night together and they just kind of, you know, that you can, they still have the little mm. euphoria of their escapade. And it's just one of those moments where it's, the whole range of the female experience and this whole spectrum of all these little things happening together. I think they all, I think they all know exactly what's going on. Um, And they just hold space for one another. And it, it really is a story of equality. And I think that's, what's brilliant about this film. It's not just equality in the love story. And then the way that the two lovers relate to one another, it's with Sophie as well. Well, it's, it's, she's, well, she's an important third part of the film that probably, you know, doesn't typically get um, mentioned as much when there are discussions of this film. But because not only is this a film about the differences between 
men and women in this patriarchal society, but the difference between the classes, I think those three women are very carefully chosen because you have Hel Eloise, who's a member of the aristocracy of the landed gentry. She's a noble woman, the upper class. You have Marianne, who is a quote unquote liberated woman, but she's probably what would be deemed the middle class. She's a member of the, she is independent to an extent, but she is not of she's not of aristocratic birth. And then you have Sophie, who is of the working class, who is a servant. And as you kind of mentioned a little bit in that scene you're referring to earlier, Mar um, Maite, the scene at the dinner table or when they're preparing dinner, it the their stations in life become irrelevant in that moment. Pretty shortly after, men and I guess conduits of men are removed from that household. They pretty quickly become equals who are all sort of contributing equally. And and the lack of ego that's all throughout this film, there is no ego. You place, you perhaps tell the same story or, or a story like that with three men, and you'll you'll immediately see ego. It's it's you know it's 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 so fascinating mm. to see this sense of community without. Yeah, there's no power structure. There's no ego, even though they are from different social classes, mm -hmm. because you can so easily throw that in and be like, well, you know, have tension, have, you know, do something, cause, do something to cause, to stir the story a little bit. But you don't, in this film, no, you don't have to. It's, it's so, yeah, it's, 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 it's equal. It's balanced. Yeah. It's balanced. It's, it's funny that you say that, like, thinking, like, if this movie was made with three male characters, what I thought of. Oh, great! Was, Let's imagine. Uh, yeah, but like, what <laughs> I thought ruin of. Don't this for my Ethan. Sorry, but like, uh, this is a very like Western viewpoint on something like an arranged marriage, um, or even just three people from different class structures. So I was thinking, like, what if this was a movie about uh, three Indian women, and there's uh, like just the cultural and societal change, like what this movie would look like if it was remade in Bollywood, you know, like I thought that would have been pretty interesting and I wanted to see maybe something in the future of the sort, you know, maybe the female gaze with primarily BIPOC or person of color um, characters well, or stories. Yeah. Because yeah. this was near, yeah. yeah. I think this movie... I hope is its own genre in mm -hmm. the beginning of a whole new wave of cinema. Absolutely. Yeah. Was this another was this another like another French wave? Another French wave. Mm -hmm. <laughs> not about the French. Um, yeah. yeah, no, it's not. Um, another thing, just the kind of I think my last thing on this topic that really touched me this time around, um, in terms of the community and doing things differently, is in terms of Sophie's experience of having to have this child aborted, going through something that appears to be really painful and, and difficult. Um, there, she's recovering and she's just lying there and Eloise gets this spurt of inspiration and she's like, you're gonna paint this, you're gonna paint us. Mm. I thought that was so incredible. Um, not only because I felt, you know, Eloise and her fiery kind of revolutionary spirit of being like, you know, people, people need to see this. This is a story that needs to be kind of immortalized through your, through your painting. But it's also, I just thought of it in the context of trauma and how it was just a way for them to process yes. this trauma by just holding space. There's no silence. There's no shaming. There's no isolation. There's no solitary pain, which is something that 
I think to some extent, every single woman experiences still today, anything that has to do, especially with our reproduction. And there's so much silencing and so much shaming that happens around that. And to just see these women, you know, not, not have a conversation and not try to fix a problem, but just hold space for one another. I thought that was so, mm. so stunning. And I was just elated with the with the possibility of living a life like that yeah Yeah. what the relationship between you know art and truth uh in this film how it's sort of i guess explored in this film you could you could talk about that for hours itself um you know i think uh you're absolutely right the idea of processing trauma through art but also kind of um expressing something that is true through art but is silenced outwardly or in mm-hmm. society the idea of for example an abortion with an i you know which had which you know has been practiced or has been experienced in the world for centuries but would never uh, would never be spoken about in any way but that mm-hmm. the idea that that could sort of be given life through art and then in the same way that the love between these two women which is forbidden can also be given in its own way life through art as we see in that final painting at the gallery at the end of the movie um and also just like i love the little like how that scene is referenced a little bit later on when you see sophie finishing the needle point of the flowers which have wilted by that point so the idea of making something that is immortal mortal through your art is Mm -hmm. really such a beautiful image to sort of digest like I was just, I just wanted to go back to the point um, of, well, I've lost it. Well, I didn't really lose it. So I guess there were these two monumental <laughs> moments in the movie where it showed, I guess, womanhood in a way, and like, um, where it kind of like connects the characters of Sophie and um, Marianne. So like initially when Marianne was getting her period pains, well, first of all, that shot is also just great when she's like in bed and her legs are like the covers are over and just the way that she's shown. And then she goes downstairs to talk to Sophie. And then Sophie tells her that she's three months late and just that whole interaction interaction. Then the arc of that ending with, um, them reenacting the abortion scene. I thought that was just like a very interesting way of connecting all the characters together. I'm doing a lot of motions with my hands because I feel like I need to visualize what motion I'm doing. with the ocean. <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess uh, we can maybe move on to questions in a bit. Um, but just before that, I was wondering if uh, I don't know if there are, if there are any critiques for this movie because I find it hard to critique it in any way. That's a no for me, dog. Yeah. Uh, no, I will I'm... critique every other film. <laughs> Every other one. I, uh, yeah, I, I thought so because I found this. I found a, like nothing really other than maybe I wanted to see this as POCs, but that's not really a critique. That's just like thinking to the future. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I I do have one. Oh, that's awkward. No, no, it's really not a criticism. It's actually almost just suggesting there's almost too much good in this film. But uh, I always, I I felt this way more the first time I saw the film, less the second time. But I still kind of agree that I, despite what you guys said about the ending of this film, 
I kind of think it should have ended with her seeing the painting. But um, I know a lot of people would disagree me, with me on that point because I know that the Vivaldi scene is incredibly important. But it was just one of those films where I was, I was just, I was in love with it mm. so much as I was watching it. And then when it, that, that seeing the page in the painting packs such a wallop for me. Like mm -hmm. that is, that is, that breaks my yeah. heart. Yeah. And when I was watching, I was like, please, please end right now. Cause this would be perfect. Mm. And then it continued and it's just an incredible scene that follows well, it. it. But it's also like, I just like wish it, it, it ended places. there. It could yeah, have ended absolutely. with her on the stairs in the the white dress as she closes the door. Yeah, to kind of yeah. like, uh, kind of like with the with the story of the what's mythology, her name, the yeah, Greek yeah, mythology. And, and yeah, Medici's. it could have been oh, there. And then it goes to the the painting in the the gallery, and I'm like, oh, th this is amazing. And then it goes to Vivaldi, and I'm like, oh. so basically, it beats its ending every time. Yeah, it, just, it was it so just, it, it has a better ending. I was so glad with the Vivaldi. I can't, Vivaldi's I can't imagine ending. a different ending though because it is I think Eloise was living came into herself through Marianne mm. in terms mm. of as we talked about for me it's it's very much an elemental um alchemy um but it's also I mean she discovers music through Marianne through this oh, very song she discovers hit home this whole possibility and there's a lot of tension between the women because Eloise is basically saying well you can do whatever you want. And that's maybe it's easy for you to judge, but I don't have choice. Like I, this is my life. And she feels so angry because yeah, she's robbed of her agency. And I think in this scene, she, everything comes together. She's accepted her fate. She's, you know, gone on to live the life that she has to live because that's just the world that she lives in. But it's, it's, I don't know, for me, it's the moment that she really is so enlivened. I mean, you see her go through all these emotions. I, I would just, that scene is one of the most beautiful scenes I've ever seen, ever. Like, I just get goosebumps thinking about it. And I think by it ending there, it, it goes beyond just the fact of it being a love story. I think if it ended with a page, then it's a love story. But this is transformation deeper than that yes it's her it's her transformation absolutely it's yeah. her coming into her her power and her truth and yeah that's that's what i saw because like the like everyone knows music to me is really really important and you could see just like the control in her face and just the way her face transforms you know it's just it was incredible just to hear it. It went beautifully with the music when the music, you know, like picked up and there was a crescendo and just, mm. wow. Like even just talking about it right now is giving me goosebumps because mm. I loved that scene so much. And not to mention, it's one of my most favorite pieces ever, I think. And because I guess it's the same theme song as Chef's Table on Netflix, but <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's Vivaldi's Four Seasons. Um, and they use different parts of the song, but um, I just love it. I just love that scene. And for me, favorite scene, just putting it out there. I said it in the and beginning, to, saying it now, I'm going to say it at the question as well. <laughs> to, reiterate, bada, bum, to, bum, to reiterate the excellence of that scene, because I, I guess I'm going to throw in a few words too about that scene which, yeah, it's definitely, for, in my opinion, one of the best scenes of the film. The breathing, 
the the breath she has throughout. I mean, it, we're we're talking about a like a five minute you know still shot of of someone crying, and how does someone cry by breathing? And it's and yeah, just her her going through each breath. You know, it's yeah. So just to reiterate the breathing point, it's yeah, it was which is probably why we have goosebumps because it's so human. Like we've done this, we've cried like this. Mm. I, I but yet we have never seen it. In but yet we have never seen film. it. Yeah. So that, yeah, what's that about, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, questions? Yeah, to wrap it up a little bit. I, how are we doing on time? Do we have to hurry? What are we doing on pay? Like- so over, so over. <laughs> uh, we're, no, 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 we're, we, I, I was thinking this, this episode specifically was going to go to like an hour, 15 minutes. And yeah. um, we're, we're good on time. We're, we're good talking on time. about the magic of patience. <laughs> we're good on time. We're yeah, good on time. Yeah, guys. We've got another like 15 minutes. Three hour episode. Should we just record a little interval of us just walking by the ocean? Yeah. And just sort I'm of. I'm going to make a fire. I'm going to make a fire right each- now. Um, Raph, can you pour out the wine? Jabril, you start slicing the bread. (laughs) I'm going to get the uh, armpit You peel the vegetables. (laughs) We need a dog. Oh, Ollie, you have a dog, right? So you can... I thought you were saying I I am the dog. (laughs) Ollie, you're the dog, right? What were those... Okay, okay, wait. Can we talk about this? What were the armpit drugs? We have to talk about the armpit. We have to talk about the armpit drugs. I thought it was weed, and then they... They like fingered each other's armpits and they got like really high. I think it's just like a hallucinogen. Well, she her her pupils were so big. So yeah. Like, yeah. Well, but really I, I thought that was too... that was a vision though, right? I don't think you can have your pupils go that big. Yeah, they go that big, of course. What? I know, but her eyes were literally like she had no um, irises. They were like all black. It was also dark in the room. Yeah. Mm. Light, Ollie, so. but okay, but what is what is this um, form <laughs> of administering drugs like what is this armpit oh, well, thing is this i know that in the i think that was a choice that was a choice um okay. i think it's kind of a little it's a little bit of a like, like wink because the it's it a lot of uh you can have herbal paste that you just kind of rub into your skin mm-hmm. and i think i think it was just the armpit because there's a scene where you know you see them finger each other's armpits and it's a close-up yeah. it's like one of the only yeah. close-ups that you have and it looks like Ah, uh, okay. Okay, so you think yeah. it's a stylistic like, choice? I think but, so. Yeah, and okay. also the significance of 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 an arm of like a hairy armpit for a, like you know for a woman. It's true. Like, I also it, that, that construct is yeah. things I detest. You know how critical I am of this, Ralph, because Absolutely. the amount of things that I Absolutely. see, anything that's filmed pre like, I don't know the late nineties. I'm like, where the fuck? Is the body hair? Yeah, with especially men when as it's well. a period piece, yeah. and you'll get like waxed armpits and like, oh, just the whole thing. I just get so frustrated. I think yeah. it's so lazy, and I'm like, it's not that hard. Yeah, you know, like let's show truth. Let's show truth. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like uh, not everyone's a Barbie doll. No one's a Barbie doll. In fact, yeah. no one. In fact, yeah. no, no one, one is. No one doll. is a Barbie doll. But I mean, it's <laughs> Ollie the same. got confused yeah. by that. Ollie, no one's a Barbie doll. He's man. like, what? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not Ken. <laughs> so that was the armpit, and also the armpits. You know, it's a very, it's a, it's a considered mm. a sexual organ for a lot of people. So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. beautiful scene. Mm. Alrighty. Um, Questions. Questions. You ready? Question us. 
and she has no questions. <laughs> oh, I have no yeah, yeah, the first question. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's That's the, okay. the character okay. thing. The <laughs> okay, well, um, I got some of the questions in terms of favorite performance and favorite scene. Yeah. Um, I want mm. to challenge that because I don't want to be part of a hierarchical thing. I don't think there can be a favorite performance because this film is female gaze. It's a collaboration. I think it's a masterpiece. I think it's perfect. Um, can I name like, I don't know. I loved all the scenes. I loved all the scenes. I think this time around, I would say the, yeah, that painting of the abortion I think was stunning. I laughed really hard. So we don't see any kind of, we don't see any men. And then you get a shock of seeing a man in the kitchen. Good breakfast, yeah. Bubble. It ends the dreams. But they've had this communal, you know, almost like sorority life, just living in equality. And then there's a man sitting at the table. And I, this time around, I found it so funny. I laughed so hard. I was like, what is he doing here? <laughs> and he's literally just here to disrupt this fantasy. And then it's back to life we go. Um, I don't think I can choose a favorite scene. But that would be that would be up there. I think that was just funny and I didn't really see it the first right. time around. Um, what was the third question? Uh, what's, what's aged, what's aged the weakest? What do you mean? It's from 2019. Yeah, I think yeah. Usually we do what's aged the best and what's aged the worst, but in that case, um, I don't know what's aged the worst. I mean, it's it's a pretty recent it's, film, yeah. and also we're all incredibly positive on it. I don't think any of us want to really. No, I, don't, I didn't have an answer to that question. I'll be honest. So I guess uh, we should just move to the ratings then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't. Yeah, I don't think there was a mystery question yeah, yeah. for this one. So I think yeah, we, yeah, we can let's just go move on to the ratings. I and think the ratings let's remain in the mystery. Yeah, yeah. The mystery is a mystery. Um, the mystery question is a mystery. Um, yeah. and I think I mean the ratings. I mean, am I the only one who's? Yeah, but I want to do the thingy. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, for sure. But I, I feel like right now, I feel like I feel like we're all on the same page with the ratings, mm. unless, unless. I don't know, unless I've spoken too soon. <laughs> I can feel it. I can feel it. All right. Who wants to go first? I will. I will give it, and this is the most obvious, I'm um, choosing the most obvious phrasing, oh. 10 portraits of a lady on fire out of 10. <laughs> wow. <Yeah. laughs> uh, all right, I'll also give it, 10 smoking pipes out of 10 smoking pipes. I really like Because I little... love those pipes. Yeah. yeah. When she was smoking that pipe, I was like, Damn, she that cool. is a good yeah. look. You look, yeah. that is really cool. I want to smoke a pipe right rad. now. That's <laughs> rad. And even how she lights it with her little, like, you know, Yeah, so badass. The little yeah, wick Very thing, cool. Right? Yeah. yeah. And the little snuff um, box she had. Yeah, cool. All good right, stuff. well, I'm going to go uh, 10 out of 10. Um... Armpit drugs out of, yeah, 10 out of 10, yeah. <laughs> out of 10, yeah. 10 out of 10 armpit, armpit drug thingies, the the little box uh, made out of glass with this stuff. Uh. Very, very, very j bro. Yeah. <laughs> and last but not least, Maite, to round it all Can off. I be 
similarly annoying and refused to reduce it. I, to I thought you were going to say that. Yeah. <laughs> I was saying the ratings make Brilliant. no sense after just talking about how we didn't want to impose judgments or like competition yeah. or ratings of any sort on this a, film. An absolute masterpiece for me. It's it's yeah. It's a breath of fresh air. I think. Um, when I finished this movie, I felt I was bubbling with this sense of promise and possibility. I felt genuinely excited mm. about the future of cinema in a way that I can feel so often a little depressed when I look at this film industry and the, you know, capitalism and the all the stuff that happens behind it. And I think this kind of restored me. I think it's a masterpiece. And if I believed in perfectionism, I think this would be perfect. I think it's, I will not give it a number. <laughs> All right. But I'm very grateful to. that it's out there. And um, I can't speak, yeah, I can only speak highly of this film. Everybody, go watch this. Heck yeah, definitely. You got it. I yeah. think you got to watch this for IB English A1. You have to do it. Yeah, has to it, be it should part be an educational. It should be educational. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess we have to say thank you to Maite for being on the show. It's been really great, thank really you educational. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. It's, oh, it's it, been such a pleasure. Yeah. Please please come back on at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll come yeah. back for Magic Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, oh, wait, I'm going to be the expert be in that one. case. That would be a good one for you to come back on. Um, Magic yeah, so. Mike XXL, the defense. <laughs> <laughs> Um, thank you for uh, choosing the theme for us. Um, I'm pretty excited for the next two movies. Uh, we don't actually have the next movie ready for oh, you guys don't. yet, but we're going to post it on our Instagram, on our social media. So please follow us and check us out so you know what movie is going to be out next. Um, we're going to have another guest for that as well, hopefully. And uh, we're going to take this into another direction and see how it goes from there. But um yeah, I guess thank you guys. If you guys want to say goodbye, say because Yeah, you know. thank you. Thank you, Maite. Yeah. That was that was really an exquisite um conversation and 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 dive into um something that yeah, we didn't really know much about and thank you for cultivating our our knowledge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. No, I think you really um you classed up the joint. I just want to say that. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you really making this good here. Yeah. Really. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so before I go, before we go, it's the best part of the show. Everyone loves this part. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, comment, put the five stars. You know, go on YouTube. We're not on YouTube. I always say YouTube for some reason. No, 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 no. You want to be on YouTube. I want to be Twitter, on Twitter, LinkedIn. We're going to yeah. figure this out. MySpace. 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 Yeah. Interest. Um, yeah, just share us Snap, on your Snapchat stories, me. Snapchat, all that stuff. Um, you know what Tinder. <laughs> yeah, put it in your Tinder profile. TikTok. <laughs> in your bios. But uh, listen to, to the movie newbie. Um, so, okay. I guess we're going to go now. So I'll catch you guys later. And thank you for being on the show. You can also email us. Yeah. Oh, and read Raph's articles. <laughs> we're done. <laughs> on media. We're done. Okay, we're, we're done. done. We're all done. right. Ciao, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs> Hey guys, if you like the show, don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Movie Newbie, and you can also search The Movie Newbie on Medium for really cool, spoiler-free reviews. So, catch you in the next episode.
Till next time, guys. Enjoy.